Welcome back, everybody, to Crowd Noise Podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Martinez. Thursday, October 18th, 2018. You got a packed show today. All kinds of stuff going on in the sports world. Today is the sports equinox. That means there's uh, games going on in four of the major sports leagues uh, in the U.S. That's the NHL, the NBA, the MLB, and the NFL. All four of those leagues are having games uh, today going on. Uh, the ALCS could uh, finish up tonight if the Red Sox were to win in Houston. They could punch their ticket to the World Series. Uh, Broncos Cardinals tonight, which you know we're going to talk about later. Um, what else did I say? Oh, uh, LeBron's uh, official first official career start for the Lakers tonight against the Trailblazers. And uh, I guess some people are playing hockey in the NHL also. So we got a lot of good stuff. The bulk of today's show is going to be NBA. Lots of NBA to discuss this week. Um Season started on Tuesday, I believe. Um, first NBA game, and there was a lot of games last night. Uh, the majority of the league played last night, and I think only the Lake. I think there were only two games on tonight, as far as the NBA. Uh, the marquee one being, of course, it's the Lakers and the Trailblazers, but more so the Lakers. Uh, so with that, uh, let's get started. We got a good quote of the week this week too. So make sure you stick around to the end. We got a. Uh, Strong finish this week, uh, uncharacteristically for this show. So with that, let's go ahead and get into it. Some college games this weekend. Uh, 24, Michigan State going up against number 6, Michigan. That one's going to be in East Lansing. Number 16, NC State uh, in Death Valley against Clemson. That should be a really good game. That's going to be, in my opinion, the best game of the week. And an unusual, we should be picking number 5, LSU against number 22, uh, Mississippi State. But uh, as I said last week, if I were to get the LSU game wrong again, I would never pick another LSU game on the show. So I'm sticking to my word. We should be picking an LSU game, but we're not. We're actually doing our very first ranked versus unranked game. That's number nine, Oklahoma against unranked TCU. So thanks a lot, LSU. Uh, Not only are you affecting uh, my show, you are now uh, disappointing my, uh, I was going to say many, that would be a lie, my Four listeners now have to suffer because LSU is the most inconsistent and untrustworthy team in the nation. So, uh, yeah, so let's go ahead and get into our picks, which uh, is not going to end very exciting because we have to pick a ranked. And un- why, why do you, we're going to do that one first so we end on a strong note. So first off, we're going to do uh, Oklahoma TCU because that's the worst game uh, in our picks this week. And you can thank uh, Coach Ogeron for that one. Uh, as I said, it's the first ranked and unranked game that we're picking on the crowd in crowd noise history. It's the first time ever um, that we're picking an unranked and versus a ranked team. I usually like to do ranked versus ranked, but uh, we're not doing LSU. Never again. Uh, we're doing. We're never doing LSU ever again. So Oklahoma has been obviously on fire. I mean, they've been unstoppable. Kyler Murray. They've kind of. Uh, I don't know how to explain it. They haven't played as well these past few weeks, but Kyler Murray's stats have just been off the charts. He hasn't slowed down one bit. Um, he's obviously in the Heisman uh, conversation, uh, that being Tua Togovailoa, Dwayne Haskins, and then Kyler Murray. I think that's the top three in that order. Uh, if you ask me who I would pick, I would absolutely give it to Tua. I mean, I don't even think it's close, which is not um, to say that Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins haven't been playing well. It's just Tua Togovailoa and the... Excuse me, his name is so hard to pronounce. It threw me so far off track. And Alabama, they've just been playing on a completely 
new level. Like no one else is coming even close to them. So I'd give it to Tua at this point. But Oklahoma, they're playing TCU this week. That's going to be in Fort Worth. Uh, just being a ranked versus unranked game, uh, at, at first glance, it doesn't look like a very uh, exciting game. But TCU is better than a lot of people uh, think. They got beaten down by Texas, so I will give them that one. They really got beat by Texas bad. But they're playing in Fort Worth, um, which should I think it'll be closer than what most people think. Um, Here's a nugget for you. In Oklahoma has scored at more than 40 points in four of their first six games this uh, this season. Uh, I think that'll go that'll continue. TCU will keep it close just because it's at home. Uh, I'll take TCU 42 to 30. Uh, so we got that out of the way. I you I know you could tell I was struggling to find any kind of analysis for that game. Uh, you can thank Coach Ogeron for that one. So let's get into the real games this week. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan. Uh, that's going to be a good game. Michigan throttled Wisconsin last week. Another one of my picks that went wrong. Granted, that was an upset, but I put a, I had a little bit more faith in Wisconsin than I did LSU. Uh, Michigan really handled those guys in the big house last week. They'll be going to East Lansing uh, this week where they'll be playing Michigan State. Obviously, um, I, Michigan, Michigan, excuse me, it's going to be kind of confusing. Two teams with almost the exact same name. Michigan has been really strong on defense. They held Wisconsin to 13 points last week. I mean, they just dominated that game. It was a boring game to watch, which is a sign that you played really well if a game is just out of hand. Uh, I expect Michigan to uh, continue that this week. They should win in East Lansing against the little brother, uh, which is good for Jim Harbaugh because the biggest knock against Jim Harbaugh is that he doesn't win against his arch rivals being Michigan State and being who he's going to have to face later this year, Ohio State. That's going to be the ultimate test for Michigan this year. Is Not beating Michigan State is going to be beating Ohio State, who is currently number two in the country. Uh, I don't see them beating them, but we'll, uh, we'll get to that when we get to that game down the road later in the season. And the last game this week that we are picking, uh, my personal opinion, I think it's going to be the best game of the week, NC State number 16 going into Death Valley number 3 Clemson. Clemson hasn't been as dominant this season as they have been in years prior. Um they're number 3 in the country and I think that's the perfect spot for them because they've really been overshadowed this year by Alabama and Ohio State. Those are really the two most dominant programs in the country this year. Um I would even argue Notre Dame, they've been really really dominant this year they struggled last week which kind of dampened their uh, resume I guess you could say they won but not convincingly um I would say Ohio State has excuse me uh, Clemson has really been overshadowed by Ohio State and, and Alabama them being number three NC State has really been a pest in the ACC NC State has been a pest in the ACC these uh over the past five to ten years they've really been tough on Florida State Miami Clemson the big dogs in the ACC uh, I like NC State this week going into Death Valley as a, a road dog. I think they're going to pull off the upset. Um, Clemson's obviously more dangerous with uh, Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, but he's been kind of a little bit inconsistent. He's been hurt uh, on and off this season. I think NC State's going to be a little bit too strong for Clemson. Ironically, because when you think of Clemson, you think of NFL defensive linemen. They're up there with Alabama and Ohio State as far as strength on the defensive line, but I'm going to take NC State this week in an upset uh, causing another shakeup in college football, which begs the question, where will Clemson land and what will this do to the rest of college football? Notre Dame, you would assume, would slide into that number three spot. What would this do to the ACC? 
Um, would we see an ACC representative in the college football playoff? I don't think if NC State were to run the table, I don't think they have the resume uh, or the prestige that um, other schools would have going as far as going into the playoff. It would cause, um, it'd be a big earthquake in college football. If Clemson lost this week, um, and that's what college football does. That's what college sports does. They cause madness, lots of shakeups, um, upsets left and right. So uh, I'm going to take NC State here. I could be dead wrong on this, but I'm feeling pretty good about this upset pick here. Um, I said the same thing about Wisconsin last week. So take that with a grain of salt. If you uh, use any of my picks for gambling, uh, I'm not responsible for any of your losses. So uh, yeah, just keep that in mind uh, when you're gambling your house uh going to the nfl now uh tonight thursday night game as i said earlier bears and cart excuse me broncos and cardinals um this has to be the worst thursday night game of the season so far i had you know how i feel about thursday night games i can't stand them they're usually always boring teams are unprepared because they're on a short week um i have better things to do football is just not meant to be on a thursday it's mo- saturday's college and sunday's the nfl it's the way it should always be and then one game on monday i'll give you that much but uh, i'm just so sick of seeing thursday night football games but with that we're gonna pick a thursday night game uh the broncos have been really disappointing this season i thought they would i didn't think they would win the west i picked i forgot who i picked in the beginning of the season i think it was the chargers who are still very much in it their only two losses are to the um, the two best teams in the league, the Chiefs and the Rams. So the Chargers haven't really disappointed. They just got off to, you can't even really say a slow start. They just ran into some butt saws there. But I thought the Broncos would really challenge the uh, the Chiefs and the Chargers. I thought they would be in that race. They have not been. They've been really disappointing. Uh, and they're playing the Cardinals, who have just been awful. I mean, the Cardinals, we kind of expected they were going to be um, a rebuilding team, uh, drafting you know Josh Rosen, uh, first-round quarterback pick. That's usually a sign that you're going to start rebuilding when you take a quarterback in the first round, uh, and that's what they've been doing. They've been rebuilding, and they're just—they're not fun to watch at all. They're not—they have no stars in that team. Their biggest star, uh, David Johnson, we'll get to him in a second, and then Patrick Peterson on defense, who was a little bit more dynamic when he had Tyron Matthew on the other side. Um, yeah, the Broncos really haven't done much right this season. Um, on either side of the ball, on offense, on defense. But the one thing they do do right is stop the run. And the one thing the Cardinals are terrible at doing, amongst other things, is running the football. David Johnson has had an awful season this year, and the Cardinals just refuse to get him involved in the passing game, which blows my mind. David Johnson's one of the better uh, pass-catching backs in the league, and they just don't throw the ball to him at all. They just don't use him uh, in the pass game at all. So you mix... Uh, his inability to run the football, and it's not really his fault. The Cardinals' offensive line is really terrible, so he can't run the football. And the Broncos are uh, exceptional at defending the run. That's just a bad combination. Josh Rosen will get sacked probably four times in this game. I'll take the Broncos 25-12, to and that's kind of being generous for the Cardinals. Uh, Sunday, Panthers and Eagles. Panthers and Eagles, that one's going to be in Philly. Pretty interesting game here. Uh, the Panthers have really found a new lease on life with North, Norv Turner as their offensive coordinator. And the Eagles have been really disappointing this season. A lot of people uh, expected them to be in the conversation to repeat. They added a lot to their defensive line. Obviously, Michael Bennett and uh, Haloti Nada, I believe, if I'm correct. Uh, they got better. The Eagles added to their roster, and they haven't shown it thus far. They have uh, really looks like they've had a Super Bowl hangover. They're coming off of a huge win against the Giants, another... Uh, failed upset attempt of mine uh that one was 
one of my more shameful picks. I got to be honest uh, on that one. But the Eagles are only at 500 with that uh, blowout win against the Giants. Um, they haven't been able to run the ball, and that's going to be even more. Uh, I don't want to say troublesome. It's going to be even harder for them to run the ball now, losing Jay Ajayi to a torn ACL, and they're going up against the Panthers defense, who's really also really good against the run, uh, as are the Denver Broncos. Um, I don't think I don't see the Eagles winning this one. I'll take the Panthers uh, on the road, which is not good for the Eagles, especially you lose another game at home, um, losing two weeks. I think it was two or three weeks ago against the Vikings at home. Uh, not good. The Eagles usually are real. You can usually count on them to protect home field. Um, not the case this year. Last game this week. Another. I think this game's going to be really interesting uh, to watch. Is the uh, Saints and the Ravens. That one's going to be in Baltimore. The Ravens are going to play the now NFL's all-time leading passer, Drew Brees, uh, coming off of a record day for the Ravens defense, sacking uh, Marcus Mariota over a thousand times in a single quarter. Uh, they that poor guy. I almost feel bad for Marcus Mariota, man. That I think he's a lot better than what he is. But the Titans are—they're just, just a mess. They're not a mess. They're just—they're one of those just just nothing franchises. That's they're not really rebuilding. They're not in win now mode. They're just kind of you know in, in the middle of things in limbo. And Marcus Mariota—he's stuck there. So uh, yeah, the Ravens really put him in the ground last week. They'll be playing Drew Brees. I don't think they're going to repeat last week's defensive performance. Uh, the Saints are way better um, on offense. And Drew Brees is obviously a, a much better passer than Marcus Mariota. So he should have more completions than sacks this week. Um, Joe Flacco has really been... He hasn't been a stud. He hasn't been a, an MVP candidate. But he stayed out of his own way. He's done enough to make sure that the headlines are not about him. And if you're Joe Flacco, that's the best, that's the best thing you could ask for is for your name not to be in the headlines because you're not making headlines because of your stats you're making headlines because you're not playing up to par and you're wasting a really good defense baltimore's had a great defense for i don't even know how many years now it's probably as long as i've been alive the ravens have been good on defense so joe flacco's really he's been a game manager he's been a little bit more than a game manager also he's been he's been good he's been really well this year so that's that's about all you can ask for from joe flacco uh, as long as he does that, the Ravens are going to continue to win. And I picked them to win the AFC North this year. That was even before um, I knew Le'Veon Bell was going to... I don't even know what he's doing. But I, this is before I knew the whole Le'Veon Bell situation was going to happen. I figured the Steelers would take a step back. I felt the Ravens were ready to take a step forward. Uh, I'm going to take the Ravens this week, 28-25, to 25, closer than the experts think. Uh, so that's our last NFL game this week. Uh, 15 minutes, well, not bad. So we're going to get into MLB. We're going to move quickly here because we got a lot of NBA. I'm telling you right now, we got a lot of stuff to cover in the NBA. Wow, I'm looking at my notes right here. Uh, it's fantastic. Okay, so in the MLB, like I said earlier, the Red Sox are one win away from getting back to the World Series, um, and I was wrong again. I picked them to lose against the Yankees, and I said, okay, I, was, I admitted where I was wrong, and I said, all right, they're... They beat the Yankees good for them, but they're not going to beat the Astros. Now they're up 3-1 to one in the ALCS. Uh, last night's game was fantastic. I, just, I tuned in in the last... Um, when did I turn that game on? I think it was in the fifth or sixth inning, and that's when it really started to get uh, interesting. I don't want to talk about the home run, not home run. Um, base, that's, that's just baseball, is these interpretive calls that could go either way. Uh, and either way you call it, one team's going to be really angry and probably cost them the game. So we're not going to talk about it. They could have gone either way. If that's called a home run, then the Astros win, and then we're talking about a series being 2-2. So, I mean, 
I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not an umpire. Uh, do I think it was fan interference? Mm. So the Red Sox, uh, I don't know. We're not going to get into that. I mean, you can't. I, I'm never a fan of people really calling out the refs and calling out the umpires. It's really the luck of the draw. You know, you get who you get. And they're going to call what they're going to call. There's nothing you can do about it. And their Astros, with that, still had a chance to win the game and take the lead, which we're going to talk about right now. Andrew Benintendi uh, made a game-saving diving catch in left field off the bat of Alex Bregman, which would have at least tied the game. If that ball gets uh, past Benintendi, the game's over because, I mean, they would have the ball would have rolled all the way to the wall and they would have scored three runs and won the game. I mean... No one was going to get that ball after Benintendi. If he had to let it drop, the game was probably tied. Um, but he didn't let it drop. He caught it, and the game was over. Uh, the Astros rallying against Craig, Craig Kimbrell, who have, who's been uh, anything but lights out lately. He's let, he hasn't lost any games in the postseason, but he's let a lot of rallies start. He's getting a lot of teams um, some hope late, late in the game, but he hasn't fully uh, lost any games yet. I picked the Astros to beat the Red Sox, and the the Red Sox, yes, the Red Sox have just they've just been way too strong for the um, the Astros. Excuse me, I'm getting confused again. Um, tying myself in knots here. Their lineup, the Red Sox, has been just top to bottom, just so strong. There's no breaks in their whole lineup. Their entire lineup just grinds. They work the count. There's no breaks, and they've been wearing down the starters of the Astros. The only Astro starter to get a win. Uh, in this series, being 3-1, is Justin Verlander, and not even he was his dominant self. He kind of uh, escaped that game with the skin of his teeth, uh, the Red Sox losing game one. They've won three straight since then, and they have a chance to punch their ticket tonight. And uh, that's what I said the Astros were going to win off of, is they're starting pitching, and they haven't shown up. And I don't really blame the Astros starters. I give credit to the Red Sox lineup. They're just, I mean, they're not whole, not a whole lot of stars on that Lineup compared to the Astros, who have uh, Correa, Springer, Bregman, Altuve. And the Red Sox, you have Mookie Betts, you have J.D. Martinez. Those are the big dogs in the lineup. But everyone, everyone in the lineup, Jackie Bradley Jr., he's on fire right now. Uh, Xander Bogarts, Andrew Benintendi, they're all working the count, making the pitcher sweat. And they've been winning games so far. It looks like they're pretty much going to get into the World Series. Um, I don't think there will be a 3-1 lead blown here. Uh, If there is... um, well, then I was right all along. Then forget everything I just said, and I was right to begin with. I told all of you. But in the NLCS, you have the Dodgers going up 3-2 yesterday uh, with a win 5-2 over the Brewers. Um, obviously, it's a much better place to be in, three down 3-2 than down 3-1 like the Astros. But this series pretty much feels um, set in stone. It's pretty. It feels pretty much done, even if the Brewers win Game 6 and force a Game 7. Uh, you feel like the Dodgers won't lose two in a row. Um, and just all the momentum shifted yesterday. It just, momentum plays a big part in baseball. It feels like this series is pretty much done. All Everything's over but the shouting uh, is what I'm trying to say. So that's leading up to a Red Sox-Dodgers World Series, uh, LA and Boston, but not in basketball. It's a different, I don't know if the Red Sox and the Dodgers have ever faced in the World Series before. I know the Dodgers and the Yankees have faced a whole bunch of times in the World Series. So um, there's that. They will be facing each other. Um, The Dodgers, or they should be facing each other. The Dodgers um, have been, uh, excuse me, they're up 3-2 in that series, as I said before. Uh, The Brewers have really been bullpenning the Dodgers. And ironically, I guess it goes both ways. Ironically, the Dodgers' best rallies and all their runs have been scored against the bullpen. 
They've only scored two runs against the Brewers' starters, uh, both of those being on Gio Gonzalez, who's now off the roster with a high ankle sprain. Uh, but it makes sense. The more you use your bullpen, obviously, the more opportunities you're giving the other team to score. But the Brewers' bullpen has been lights out all year. They've still, they haven't been terrible. I mean, the Dodgers have just, they're a great team. They're the most talented roster in the NL. Um, the Brewers are maybe the best team in the NL, but the Dodgers are more talented. Um, the one guy the Dodgers haven't been, a- haven't been able to even touch is Josh Hader. Um, obviously, I mean, he's been lights out. He'll be available. He should be available for game six in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, so there's that. I think the Dodgers should wrap it up. Hanjin Ryu will be the starter for game six. And if the Brewers were to force a game seven, it would be Walker Bueller um, in Milwaukee. I have uh, and the Brewers starter for game six should be uh, Wade Miley. And it should they force a game seven, it would be Ulysses Chassin. Uh the, like I said, the Dodgers have pretty much wrapped this one up. As long as they take care of business and they hold the Brewers to three runs or less, um, they should be able to punch their ticket tomorrow night um, in Milwaukee. So that leads us to a Dodgers-Red Sox World Series. Like I said, I've picked against the Red Sox every single round of the playoffs this year. I did it last year with the Eagles. I picked them to lose every single game um, in the playoffs, and now and they were eventual Super Bowl champions. So that's where I'm going I'm to have to draw the line. I've learned from my mistakes. Um, the one area the Dodgers have an advantage over the Red Sox, if there is any area they have an advantage over the Red Sox, is pitching. Uh, their starting rotations a little bit deeper than the Red Sox. The Red Sox have Chris Sale um, and Nathan Navaldi. I know they have David Price, but David Price has been uh, really shaky, to say the least, in the postseason. His one win, his one career win in the postseason came this season. But it's because the Red Sox just put so many runs up in a hurry. And their bullpen, like I said earlier, hasn't been as good as the Dodgers. The Dodgers' bullpen actually has an ERA of sub-1. A sub-1 ERA. The Do- as horrendous as the Dodgers' bullpen has been this regular season, that's actually one of the, the more um, consistent areas of that team right now, ironically. And Kenley Jansen's looking like Kenley Jansen. Uh, his velocity's back up. He threw a 96-mile-an-hour cutter in Game 4 when he pitched uh, two innings. Was that game three? Uh, yeah, game three. Last was it game four? I don't know. This is two days ago. When he pitched two innings, he had a 96 mile an hour cutter, which is a good sign for Dodger fans. And as I said earlier, Craig Craig Kimbrell has really um, there's a lot of R's in that one. Craig Kimbrell has uh, let a lot of rallies get started against him. Hasn't fully given up a lead yet, um, but he's you can't keep doing that. If you're a closer, you want to get in and get out as soon as you possibly can. But that's the only place. Where the Dodgers have an advantage over the Red Sox. I think the Red Sox's lineup, as I said, they're just working the count. They're all grinders. Everyone is all in. Um, the Dodgers' bullpen, uh, excuse me, starting lineup, obviously, is more talented. They have talented Machado, Bellinger, Turner, um, Jock Peterson, even. But the Red Sox line, they're just on fire right now. And you have Jackie Bradley Jr.'s bat is hot right now. So that's a, just another weapon for them. He's probably the best defensive center fielder in baseball. And now he's uh, adding the offense to it. So, And Chris Sale, not fully healthy right now. Uh, you would assume by the time uh, the World Series comes on, um, starts, he would be ready to go. Um, so they would have your top two starters if you're the Red Sox are Nathan Evaldi and Chris Sale. Where if you're the Dodgers, you have Clayton Kershaw and take your pick, Walker Bueller or Hunjin Ryu, or even Rich Hill, who's been a he's had a really good hist- recent history of postseason starts um, for the Dodgers. He's been yanked early a whole bunch of times by Dave Roberts, but he's been good in those starts. But 
I think the Red Sox lineup is way too deep. They're putting up runs in a hurry. And the Dodgers' bats are inconsistent. We've seen it in this series. In this Brewery series, they were shut out. Um, was it two games ago at, at home? Their first game at home, they were shut out. Um, they've had trouble all year long uh, putting up runs consistently. There are games when they score 21 runs in three innings. Like, they're on fire, but the Dodgers, um, like I said, are inconsistent. There's, that only comes once in a blue moon. You can't really count on that in a seven-game series. Um, you can't count on a chance that you're going to score a whole lot of runs. You have to guarantee you're going to score at least five or six, which is what Boston does day in and day out. I'll take the Red Sox in six. So there's my World Series prediction. I'm finally, I'm finally all in on the Red Sox. Can't call me a Red Sox hater anymore. I never was a Red Sox hater. I just felt the Yankees had a, were more talented. I felt the Astros were more talented. And uh, the Red Sox have just outworked outwork their opponents and I feel the Dodgers are probably more talented also if you look at their lineup and their starting rotation and even their bullpen they're probably more talented than the Red Sox that hasn't been able to stop them yet so I'm going to take the Red Sox in six uh we're closing in on half an hour now which is good that's about as much time as I need for the NBA we got a whole lot of stuff for the NBA um season started on Tuesday night I believe and officially officially starts tonight with LeBron James uh, taking on the Trailblazers in Portland. Uh, I'm not sure what time that game starts. It'll be late because it's a West Coast game, so it'll be in Pacific time. Um, I don't care what time. It could start at midnight, and I'll be I'll be watching that game. I can't wait to finally see LeBron in a Lakers uniform. I still really can't really wrap my head around that. It's just hard to believe. So what I'm going to be doing is a full uh, playoff seating for both the Western and Eastern conferences and I'll be picking the finals. I'm sure you can already guess who I'm picking uh, for that one. It's the same. I mean, everyone pretty much has the same picks this year, which scares me. History shows that if everyone's picking the same two teams or the same team to win it all, they're not going to win. So uh, it kind of concerns me, but I don't see anyone else beating those two teams. We'll get to them uh, in a few minutes. But with that, let's start off with the Western Conference. Or should we start with the East? What do you guys want to start with? I don't know which one is more interesting. Uh, the east to the west. We'll start with the west. Why not? Um, so, starting at number eight, these are so these are my teams uh, that I have making the playoffs, and we're uh, well, I have them seated here for you, and uh, yeah, we'll do some analysis on that. Number eight, we'll go. We'll count upwards for number eight to number one. So, number eight, I have the Denver Nuggets. Number seven, the San Antonio Spurs. Number six, the Portland Trailblazers. Number five, the New Orleans Pelicans. I should slow down a little bit. Number four, the Los Angeles Lakers. Number three, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Number two, the Houston Rockets. And number one, the Memphis Grizzlies, the Golden State Warriors. Okay, so that was pretty obvious. In the east, uh, number eight, Charlotte Hornets. Number seven, the Detroit Pistons. Do I have to say the city? Probably not. Okay, number six, the Wizards. Uh, number five, the Pacers. Number four, the Raptors. And the top three is pretty much what we all expected or we all expect to see. Number three, the Bucks. Uh, the Sixers at two. And number one, the Boston Celtics. So those are my playoff teams for both the East and the West. Uh, now we're going to break it down a little bit. So um, the Warriors, yeah, the Warriors being at number one, on paper sounds good. But they've have they have a history of kind of well a recent history last year especially resting stars just get kind of gearing up for the postseason not really caring about the regular season 
But there is obviously all the rumors and there's a sense that it might come to an end. This dynasty that Golden State has built. Uh, Clay Thompson going to be a free agent. DeMarcus Cousins, Kevin Durant. I don't have to tell you about all those guys. I don't think it will be the end. Uh, very likely that they can bring all those guys back. Uh, which I think will happen. But there is a chance. There is a chance that they could lose all of those guys. So I think with that, they're going to be really motivated to win as many games in the regular season as possible, maybe break their old regular season record, uh, get lock up that one seed uh, in the West and in the entire NBA, get postseason, I mean, home field, home court advantage throughout the postseason. That's why I have the Warriors at number one. Uh, the Rockets at number two. I don't think they'll be as good as they were last year with Carmelo Anthony. So why do you have them at number two? I don't see any other team really that could I unseating them at that number two spot. There's the Thunder and the Lakers right behind them. Uh, I the Lakers will have two two rough patches. That's why they'll be number four. Um, all LeBron teams have two rough patches. Actually, we'll get to them in a minute. Uh, and the Thunder, you don't know what you're going to get out of them. Russell Westbrook uh, was out of the season debut uh, with a knee quote unquote injury I don't think it'll it's a really big deal I think that was just kind of a concern uh precautionary uh move to keep him out of the game one I don't think it's a big deal um and the Pelicans they're not going to get number two the Trailblazers are not going to get number two uh the Spurs and the Nuggets do you see any of those teams uh any of those teams having a better regular season record than the Rockets I don't I think the Rockets should hold that doesn't mean the Rockets will be in the conference finals this is just the regular season standings going into the playoffs so Obviously, that translates into the playoff seeding, but I'm looking at this as far as the regular season. You can't look at this as far as who's going to be the best team in the playoffs because there will be upsets. And obviously, there are some teams that are really good in the regular season and play awful in the postseason, but we're talking about the playoff seeding is is determined by your regular season um, record. So these, I don't see any of those other teams playing better in the regular season than the Rockets, so I'll have the Rockets there at number two. And the reason why I have them number two uh, instead of any other Western Conference team, like I said earlier, uh, the Thunder or the Lakers. Now, the Thunder are going to be better. The Thunder could probably... If anyone's going to pass the Rockets at number two, it's going to be the Thunder because they got rid of Carmelo Anthony and now the Rockets have Carmelo Anthony. I think that'll be an addition by subtraction for the Thunder. Um, And year two, usually you kind of get some more chemistry going. Year two being uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. You get a little bit more chemistry going, a little bit uh, better feel for what uh, each other like to do, play better with each other a little bit that second year. The more time you play with each other, the better you're going to get. So I think they will be better. They could probably, and they probably should pass the Rockets for number two. I have the Rockets at number two, though, still, because I wrote it down, and I don't feel like changing it. And I just gave a whole explanation as to why they'll be number two. So I'm not going to change it. Um, the Lakers at number four. They should be... Um, excuse me. The Lakers will not be number two because of this reason. They have... Every LeBron team has two rough patches. They have a rough patch to start. And they have a rough patch around the beginning of the All-Star break. Going in after the All-Star break. Every LeBron James team has two rough patches. Um, and the Lakers will have that also. Starting the season, I think they'll get off to a slow start. And I think um, going into the All-Star break, they'll kind of slow down and they'll hit a rough patch. LeBron James teams also get really hot uh, to finish the season. That's why a lot of people every year going into the playoffs, oh, LeBron's going back to the finals because they win like 
12 out of 15 or whatever it is to close the season. And this young Lakers core has a history of winning a lot of games late also. They cost themselves they cost themselves the number one uh, or the chance at the number one pick. Um, is it last year? Yeah, last year uh, when they inevitably t- uh, took Lonzo Ball or eventually took Lonzo Ball number two overall. Uh, they started winning a lot of games late. So I think that's why they'll push themselves even to number four. Number four is a pretty good seed in the West. That's a really good... You'll have home court advantage for at least the first round. Uh, here I have them going up against the Pelicans in the first round. So they'll have home court for that. So that's a big deal. I think they'll start off slow. They'll probably be uh, going into February, March. They'll probably be five, six, maybe seven range. And then they'll really catch fire and jump up to number four and, and get home court. I keep saying home field. Get home court advantage for that first round. Um, but I don't see them sustaining that level of winning during the regular season throughout the whole year. Like I said, especially these first two month month and a half, two months, and then uh, beginning of next year, calendar year, uh, January, February, they'll probably run into a rough stretch. Um, so there's that. There's that. The Western Conference. Now we'll do the Eastern Conference, as I said before. We'll go over it again. Uh, going from 8 to 1. Hornets, Pistons, Wizards, Pacers, Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics. That was too fast. Hornets, Pistons, Wizards, Pacers, Raptors, Bucks, Sixers, Celtics. So uh, pretty much the same field as last season. The last two spots are new teams, uh, the Pistons and the Hornets. I have the Bucks jumping all the way up to number three. The Wizards dropping to number six. Or is that an improvement for them? Were they the eighth seed last year? I can't remember. I think they were um, the Raptors dropping to number four. Um, we'll talk about that in a quick second. Pacers getting back there at number five. Um, again, this is not where um, how good I think each team will do in the playoffs. This is where I think they will finish the regular season going into the playoffs. Um, the Pacers aren't going to win um, 60 games. They're not going to win. Well, they might win 50 games. They could get well. No, because I mean. They win 50 games, that puts them in the top three. So, I mean, they're not going to win that many regular season games. Uh, Even in the East, uh, I don't see them winning that many games. They'll probably have to go on the road against Toronto, who will be a lukewarm team this year. I don't think they'll be really good. I don't think they'll be really bad. Um, They'll they'll drop uh, as far as in comparison to last year. I don't think they'll be the number one seed. But they're not going to miss the playoffs. I can promise you that. Uh, there's no surprises in the top three um, Celtics Sixers Bucks that's pretty much what everyone has in that order um, Celtics being number one uh, Sixers were really disappointing in that first game but it was the first game of the whole season you know you Markel Fultz was his first career start I think or it may not have been his first career start I think it was I don't know who cares um, it's going to take some time for them to kind of gel a little bit, like I said, with uh, Russ and uh, PG, it took a whole year. That second year is going to be really where they hit their stride. Give the Sixers some time um, as far as over the course of the season. I think they'll they'll definitely pick up some games here and there to pass the Bucks and the Sixers. They'd have to be one of the, again, they're one of the more talented rosters uh, in the East with Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, Dario Saric, Robert uh, Covington. Uh, they should be a lot better. Um then they should be a lot better than game one, that is. Not then, I don't expect them to leapfrog from last year because um, they had a pretty good year last year. They pushed the Celtics. Well, they didn't push the Celtics. They lost that series in five games, but um, I, I chalked that up to inexperience. But that's not what we're talking about. Hang on. Getting off track. That happens to me a lot with basketball. There's so much to talk about. 
in basketball. So much drama. Um, I get off track a lot, so please bear with me. So the confusing parts, as I said earlier, um, the more bigger surprises is the bottom, the lower seeds, the Wizards, the Pistons, and the Hornets. Um, I know that sounds ridiculous to imagine the Hornets and the Pistons in in the playoffs, but tell me, who's going to beat them out? Who's going to have a better record than those two teams in the East? The Nets? The Hawks? Like No, like the, the Hornets and the Pistons have solid enough rosters to make the playoffs in the East. We're talking about the Eastern Conference. They had... They had Definitely have enough talent to get into the top eight spots there. Uh, I think the Hornets actually are a little bit better than the eight seed. I think they could get into seven six range. Uh, the Pistons are kind of throwing it back to the nineties with two big men, uh, Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, uh, and they just added Dwayne Casey, who was fired by the Raptors, um, who last year won Coach of the Year after getting the number one seed, and then was swept by LeBron, and you know the rest of the story. Uh, as I said before, I don't think the Raptors um, are a great team. They'll, be a, they'll have home court for the first round. The reason why I don't think they're as good as, nearly as good as last year, and obviously they're nowhere close to Boston. Uh, I know a lot of people say the Raptors are right back to where they were. They could, they could challenge Boston, and let me tell you why you're wrong. Um, everyone's Okay, obviously Kawhi Leonard is a better player than DeMar DeRozan. I get that. I don't think he's automatically the best player in the East, which is what everyone's been saying. As soon as he was traded, oh, he's the best player in the East now. It's book it. He's the best player. Has everyone forgotten about Giannis Antetokounmpo? You're telling me Kawhi Leonard is better than Giannis Antetokounmpo? I would say Giannis Antetokounmpo is a top three player in the league. I would put him in the top three, top five range, um, and I wouldn't put Kawhi in that top five, top three range uh, in the whole league. My, me, personally, I would not. I would not put him in that range, um, in that class. So I don't think he's just going to overpower the East and just dominate the way LeBron James did uh, for eight, nine straight years. I don't see Kawhi Leonard taking over like that. So they will regress um, with losing DeMar DeRozan and losing Dwayne Casey. People take the head coach for granted. Uh, Obviously, Kawhi Leonard is better than DeMar DeRozan, but they played a certain system. They played a certain way with Dwayne Casey. They're going to have to completely change that uh, with a brand-new head coach. Uh, and Kawhi Leonard, as I said, he's not, he is not the best player in the East. It's Giannis Antetokounmpo. That's why I have the Bucks ahead of the Raptors by one seed. Um, and the Bucks are actually a horrible team. The Bucks are awful as a team. They just, they have the best player. That's why they're number three and why they pushed Boston to seven games last year in the first round of the playoffs, because Giannis Antetokounmpo is so great. He was able to push the Boston Celtics single-handedly to seven games. I think he's that good, um, and he can certainly carry them to a number three seed, which would be good enough for home court advantage for the first two rounds. Uh, if the playoff bracket were to go chalk, they would have to go on the road, obviously, in the semifinals or the conference finals. Um, but I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is that good to lock up a three seed for them and uh, beat out Kawhi and the Raptors. Um, so there's that. There's my whole Eastern and Western Conference playoff seating. Uh, you might agree, you might disagree. Now, the Nuggets and the Spurs in the West, just going back to the West really quick, the Spurs win regular season games. If not for nothing, they win regular season games. Greg Popovich has been coaching long enough to steal some games uh, on his own, just drawing up some plays and stealing some regular season games here and there. And they made the playoffs last year. People have a really short memory. They made the playoffs 
essentially without Kawhi Leonard. They only had him for nine games, so I don't even I don't know what their record was with uh, in those nine games. So you can't really credit him for that. And they add Demar Derozan, so who is an All Star in the East. So you have no you take a, you had no Kawhi Leonard. You had you didn't have him. Let's just nine games is nothing <laughs> as far as eighty two games. They didn't have Kawhi Leonard last year. They made the playoffs. Now you add Demar Derozan. Um, to a playoff team, you bring back LaMarcus Aldridge, um, you lose Tony Parker, which might be a good thing. You lose Manu Ginobili, which might be a good thing. Uh, there are two dinosaurs walking this earth. I think the Spurs could actually, they could pass the Trailblazers. And maybe even the Pelicans, they can get into that six, uh, that five, six range. Right now I have them at seven. Uh, the Nuggets, I have at eight. Um, no Jazz. I think the Jazz will regress um, with Donovan Mitchell. I like Donovan Mitchell. Uh, he led all rookies in three-point shooting last year, which is a good sign because uh, he's not your prototypical athletic guard who can't really shoot uh, but runs the floor but can't really shoot well. He led all the rookies in three-point shooting, so that's a good sign. I just I I feel that there's a regression coming, some uh, sophomore slump. Um, who's your number two? Again, it's kind of the same problem they had last year. Who's your number two guy? Is it Joe Ingles? Um, Who's a really good option, actually. He's a he's a really good player. I like him. He's a shooter. And Rudy Gobert, um, big man. Are, it's this is that's extinct. That's an extinct position. A rim protecting big man. You need a Joel Embiid, uh, Nikola Jokic, who plays for the Nuggets. So I expect the jag the Jazz. I combined the Nuggets and the Jazz. The Jaggets. I expect the Jazz to regress and the Nuggets to fill in that spot that they had last year. Um, not the eighth seed necessarily, but that eighth spot, I guess you could say. I think the Spurs could be a little bit higher. Uh, the Nuggets will make the playoffs. They could be a little bit higher. Uh, the Blazers could be at number eight. You could actually swap those three teams, and I wouldn't really argue with you. The Blazers at six, the Spurs at seven, and the Nuggets at eight. You can um, interchange any one of those teams, and I really wouldn't have an argument for you. Um, the Pelicans, they could pass the Lakers at five to four, uh, but I think the Lakers will win enough games. They'll get hot towards the end to kind of... Uh, push their way into home court and in the east the bottom teams the Wizards the Pistons the Hornets they all seem kind of odd there in the playoff uh seating or even just in the playoffs but again there's no other teams in the east that are going to challenge I mean that are going to challenge those guys who's who else in the east is going to challenge the Hornets Kemba Walker the Pistons Andre Drummond and the Wizards John Wall no other team no other team in the east amongst the bottom tier teams have a star the Knicks uh Chris Porzingis is out the Nets uh, Jared Allen, he's going to be really good. You mark my words, Jared Allen's going to be a really good player, but not yet. Um, they have Spencer Dinwiddie. Um, and the Hawks, Trey Young, you're telling me Trey Young's going to light up the league? He's not. He's not going to last three years in the NBA. Mark my words on that one. So I think these are pretty accurate. They're pretty safe. Uh, if you ask me, they're all pretty safe seating. Um, but the NBA is not a really a league about parity. And the NFL has a lot of parity. There's like 10 teams that could all win the Super Bowl. The MLB, the same thing. Going in the postseason, there was about four or five teams that could win the World Series. Now, we're, of course, we're down to four. Um, and it's looking like uh, the Red Sox are going to win it. That's not the point. The point is the NBA does not have parity. There's not eight to ten teams that could win it all. There's like two to three. And so the rest of the league is really not that all that competitive. So I think even though my, my seating here is not really... Um, aggressive. There's not really um, too many surprises here, other than the Pistons and the Hornets. Uh, this is pretty much how the league goes in the NBA. The bottom feeder teams are are tanking. They're trying to rebuild, and there's 
There's like three or four teams who think they could win it, but they have absolutely no chance. And then there's two or three teams who actually do have a chance. Uh, we're going to get to those two teams right now. In the East, I have both of my one seed, or not in the East, in the NBA, I have both of my one seeds making the finals, that being the Warriors and the Celtics. Uh, that's going to be a better series than what people think it's going to be. Now, on paper, it's easy to say, oh, the Warriors in five, Warriors in, Warriors in four, Warriors in three. Because um, they're really obviously they have the better roster. Um, I thought the Celtics last year matched up better with the Warriors because they played a lot of defense last year, uh, missing Kyrie Irving and missing Gordon Hayward. They had to play defense on the entire floor. I mean, and that's what they did. They really they had games eighty nine to seventy five. Like they played really low scoring games. It's not going to be the case this year. They have so many. Um, well, obviously, you add Kyrie Irving and you add Gordon Hayward, two offensive first guys. Um, you have the emergence of Jason Tatum and uh, Jalen Brown. So there's two more mouths to feed offensively. Scary Terry, who uh, turned into Frightening Terry um, when they ran into the Cavaliers. But I think the Celtics were a better ma- If the Celtics had made the finals last year, I would have felt more comfortable picking them last year than this year. Ironically, even though they add two superstars, because they're not going to be the same defensively. They're just not going to be the same team on defense. But they do still match up really well with the uh, the Warriors. You have Marcus Smart. They still do have those defensive guys. Marcus Smart, uh, Jalen Brown plays really good defense. Jason Tatum is a really good defender. I, think, I don't think enough people give him credit for that. Um, and obviously Al Horford. But the one uh, advantage, if, amongst others, that the Warriors have over not only the Celtics, but everyone in the entire league is Kevin Durant, the ultimate luxury Kevin Durant, no, I mean, he's he's unguardable. I don't care who you put, Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. They might slow him down. They might get a few stops here and there, but you're not going to shut Kevin Durant down. He's the best scorer in the league right now. I think in a few years it'll be Anthony Davis. But as of right now and over the next three seasons, Kevin Durant is the best scorer in the league. Uh, I think it's just he's going to have to take over. This is one ring he's going to have to quote-unquote earn. He's really going to have to average... Um, 35 is going to be uh, he's going to need to average a classic a legendary final stat line if he wants to win this one which he does I hate when people say that if they want to win of course they want to win um, that slipped out of my mouth there that was a mistake by me um, Kevin Durant's going to really need to go off uh, in this particular matchup because like I said the Celtics play defense um, really hard defense they get under your skin uh, the Warriors have two of those guys now too um, Draymond Green, obviously, and DeMarcus Cousin. That's another uh, factor that you got to worry about if you're the Celtics. By this point in the season in June, mid-June, DeMarcus Cousin should be fully healthy and ready to go. Um, and he'll have the full attention of Al Horford. So now you take Al Horford off of Kevin Durant. Um, I know you're saying, why would Al Horford be on Kevin Durant? Well, you need, you need to have someone who's got any kind of length guarding Kevin Durant. Maybe he wouldn't shadow Kevin Durant. You're talking about a 6'10 guy with a handle. Um, going against a, a six eight guy, six nine center, maybe not the best matchup in the world. But Brad Stevens is really good at switching, really good at um, drawing up the defensive uh, strategies, defensive schemes is what I'm trying to say. Um, but you'd have to keep Al Horford on Demarcus Cousins. You'd have to put um, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown on Kevin Durant. And I don't know if they're equipped to shut him down. Like I said, and even if they were, you have Demarcus Cousins now. You have another weapon. I think Steve Kerr will drop enough plays to get Stephen Curry free, uh, get him away from Marcus Smart, who would likely be guarding Stephen Curry throughout the series. 
The advantage of Boston is obviously Kyrie Irving. The multiple Cavs Warriors finals, Kyrie Irving, he just mowed down Stephen Curry. He really outplayed Steph Curry in all those finals. Uh, but he's not a he's not a defensive he's not a defense first point guard. So you'd have some really interesting lineups by the Celtics. Would you start Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart and have Marcus Smart shadow Steph Curry, or would you just have Marcus Smart come in and uh, in spurts and, def- and to get stops? Um, yeah, that's the problem with the Warriors. You have you have to match up with every single one of them. They'd have five All Stars at that point, being a Curry. Uh, Clay, KD, Draymond, and uh, Boogie Cousins. Uh, I think they're, it's just way too much. But closer than most people, I know I'm keep listening. Why the Warriors are going to win? Um, it's going to be a like closer than the people than people think. Uh, I like the Warriors in seven in that series. I think it'll be a lot closer. It'll be really tough. And this could be the very end of the Warriors dynasty. Maybe not because they break up, but because you have teams like Boston. Maybe the Lakers add Anthony Davis. Uh, Ant- is that is that right? AD. I had a complete brain fart there. Um, they add AD. Forgot his last name. Uh, I think it's Anthony Davis. Yeah, Anthony Davis. Well, I'm the one with a podcast, and I can't even remember the best centers in the league's name. Um, total meltdown there. Maybe the Lakers get a lot better. Uh, maybe the Rockets add Anthony Davis. Who knows? Well, no, they wouldn't add him because they just signed Clint Capella. But you get what I'm saying? There are going to be more teams challenging the Warriors, especially next season, uh, one of them being this Boston Celtics. They could win this year. If, if the Celtics won it all this year, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I'm picking the Warriors. I, I put more faith in the Warriors because of their, their starting uh, lineup, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics won it all and got number uh, 18. So that's the end of NBA. Not the show. We're not done yet. Almost. Not yet. That's the end of our NBA uh, predictions, our playoff seating, and our finals prediction. I told you it's not going to be very exciting. Everyone has the Warriors and the Celtics, um, and that's that's pretty scary. If you're someone who does a lot of predictions and you see everyone has the same picks as you, uh, that's, that's a pretty unsettling uh, thing because, yeah, that's just the way it works. If you see a lot of people picking the same teams as you, it's not a really good sight. So... Warriors, Celtics, I'll take the Warriors at seven. Uh, Finish it off here, quote of the week. Quote, I think he needs to do a little bit more playing and a little less talking. That is Giants GM John Mara speaking on Odell Beckham Jr.'s name. Uh, I hated this. I hated this comment. But it was the best quote of the week. It's not always what I like to hear. It's the most interesting quote of the week. And this particular quote of the week, I hated. I thought it was terrible. It was the dumbest thing I heard all week long. You don't call out your best player on the on your entire team. Odell Beckham Jr. is the best player the Giants have. And they're awful. The Giants are terrible. I think they're 1-5 or 1-4. They're terrible. They're the worst team in the league right now. And he's the only one that's... Um, really speaking his problems, really speaking his mind and uh, trying to turn things around and you're calling him out. You're not calling out the the actual problems of the team, um, that being Eli Manning. Odell Beckham Jr., obviously you've heard, he's been talking about Eli Manning, really complaining, saying, you know, he's been really passive-aggressive uh, throwing darts at Eli Manning and he should be. Eli Manning is terrible. He's horrible. I get he's a Super Bowl. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion. It's done. His time is finished. And instead of calling out the poor quarterback play, John Mara is calling out Odell Beckham, who's been the only one producing for them 
uh, outside of Saquon Barkley, who they've been running into the ground. Eli Manning's causing a whole ripple effect on the Giants. They're wasted, they wasted all kinds of money on Odell Beckham because they don't have anyone who can get him the ball, so he's not going to be able to justify his huge contract. And they're running Saquon Barkley into the ground, who plays a position that doesn't have a long shelf life as it is. I get he's a rookie. I'm not talking about him. He's, he's running out of gas already. But if you want to prolong his career and you want to justify a number two overall pick, especially when you passed up on several quarterbacks who look like they're really good. Sam Darnold has been uh, impressive. Josh Rosen has turned the Cardinals around. Josh Allen, even when he's played for the Bills, has been uh, pretty impressive. He's, he hasn't been half bad. Um, when you pass up on those guys for Eli Manning and you keep defending Eli Manning, it's, uh, it's a bad look. The Giants are a mess right now, um, and I don't understand why they continue to protect and defend Eli Manning. They're, they're wasting the talent. They're wasting the most talented receiver in the league in Odell Beckham. He's the most talented. He doesn't have the stats to justify it, it's, and his stats are still really good. He's not playing bad. It's just that his stats are not the same as Antonio Brown, um, even Julio Jones, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Adam Thielen. He's better than all of those guys, but he doesn't have the quarterback to help him out. It needs to be a mutual relationship. If they draft, they got anyone else other than Eli Manning, uh, they'd be a whole lot better. And John Mara's calling out the opposite of the problem, Odell Beckham Jr. So that's the end of this week's show. Lots of NBA. Uh, I think it's like almost half of the show was NBA, which is good. Who doesn't love basketball? It's the best time of the year. We're going to have it from now all the way to June can't wait there's all kinds of basketball soon college basketball is going to be starting up too man we're going to have some really long shows because i love college basketball we're going to be talking about that every single week um yeah so basketball season's back so excited tonight lebron and the lakers against uh big game dame and the portland trailblazers can't wait to watch that uh, it's a crowd noise podcast you can listen on apple Podcasts, spotify anchor podcast and google podcasts uh, I'm Stephen Martinez. Please share and tell your friends. I'd really appreciate all of that. Uh, I'll see you next week.